messages from the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll, we'll start with the reading of, the, of a couple of verses in Matthew 5 and verse 31 and 32. But we want to jump ahead in another part of Matthew to read some more verses. Uh, the subject that we'll deal with tonight is not an easy subject, and it was not an easy subject even in Jesus' day. There was a lot of confusion. Uh, there was a lot of different schools of thought around this subject. And it's never, of course, a pleasant subject to discuss, but it is in God's Word, and it's in the greatest sermon there ever was. And so it's obviously of great importance that we understand the teachings of Jesus in regards to the subject uh, of divorce and, and, and what Jesus teaches. So uh, let's read these two verses, first of all, in Matthew 5 and 31 and 32. Jesus says, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And so keep in mind, remember, that Jesus is counter-teaching what they have been hearing. In other words, Jesus isn't just, he's not just quoting Old Testament law and says, well, I know the law said this, but I'm telling you this. You have to be mindful of that, okay? Um, the Pharisees and the way they taught the law, the, what they did teach in addition to the law sometimes or what they left out, uh, Jesus is dealing with that. And um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, and so he says, whoever divorces his wife, let him give a certificate of divorce. I mean, that's pretty broad, isn't it? That's like, there's no stipulations there. He says, you guys are hearing, if you want a divorce, just give a bill divorcement. And there were schools of thought during that time, but I found out that were that simple. In other words, you could get a divorce for any reason. And it was even some of the Jews, there, there was a very liberal side of the Jews and a very conservative, kind of like, uh, you know, there is today. And, and so it, it seems to me like there was a school of thought there that was like a divorce for any reason. We'll talk about that in just a minute, how, how ridiculous it actually was. Um, then he says this, but I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality, Jesus brings in more of what the Old Testament was teaching that they were leaving off. And you know, isn't that the, what we do sometimes, though, whenever we want the Word of God to say what we want the Word of God to say? We just leave parts off so it'll be better fitting to us, more comfortable to us, and something that we can agree with. And so they really chopped up the Word of God big time. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't teach the whole part of it. And that's what I think Jesus is dealing with here. But he says, except for sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Um, it's important that we go to Matthew 9 now. Uh, I know we're teaching a Sermon on the Mount, but these are the words of Jesus talking about this subject. It's an important subject. Jesus deals with this specific subject in more detail later in chapter 9. I think it'd be better if we just jump ahead to that Matthew 9 in order to grasp all that Jesus was teaching in regard to the subject of divorce, adultery, remarriage, those things. And I wanted to read that in Matthew 5 first because keep it in this context in regards to Jesus is correcting not the Old Testament. He's correcting what's been taught about the Old Testament. Do we understand that difference? 
I just don't want us to think that, because I remember years ago as a young believer, when I would read Matthew 5, and I would read Jesus say, you've heard it said, but I say to you, I thought for years that Jesus was correcting the Old Testament. That's the way I've seen it. That's not what he's doing. He's correcting how the Old Testament was taught. And there is a big and applied, there's a big difference. Um, but let's read Matthew 9 and verse 1 through 12. That is not the right, where am I at? Hold on here. Uh, how did I mess that up? I don't know. Hold on here. I need to find this passage. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Can anybody, help, can anybody help me out here? It's, it's a long passage on the divorce, remarriage. Da, da, nine, is it 19? Did you look? There it is. All right. I just left off the one in front of it. Okay. Matthew 9. I looked at it all day today. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. Matthew 19. Yeah, Matthew 19. What did I say? Did I say Matthew 9 again? Okay. <laughs> I'm getting old. You got to excuse it. It's, it's, it's been dark for two hours outside. Uh, let's just go ahead. Let's just start with verse, thir verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Look, look at the question. For just any reason. So this helps you understand why Jesus says what he does in Matthew 5 when he says, you've heard it said, anybody wants a divorce, just give her divorce papers. You know? and, and so is it okay to divorce for just any reason? And he answered, say, well, did they believe that? Some did believe that. And they're wanting to put Jesus in the middle of their debate is what I found out. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man sh shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not men separate. Listen, I guarantee you that both schools of thought did not want to hear that. They said to him, Why then did Moses, notice the language, this is important, command, to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. I mean, they hear, they hear, they hear exactly what he's saying. They're getting it. And so they say, well, if this is the way it is, it's better not even to marry. I mean, let's just live in celibacy. Okay, that's basically what they said. This is true, all right? Um, so anyhow, the Pharisees, as they come to him in chapter 9, they're really trying to trip Jesus up. And you need to you understand, and that's what, exactly what it says. They're, they're trying to, they're testing him. They're they're tripping him. They're wanting to say something that's going to really stir things up or something they can accuse him by. Uh, just as divorce has been a controversial subject in the church and among Christianity uh, still today, it was controversial in the time of Jesus. 
And folks, the bottom line is, is sin is in this world and we're going to have to deal with it. And that's part of, of why the divorce happens. And, um, and, and so there, there are some things that Jesus teaches us about how to deal with this. Now, from my understanding, from what I looked at, there, there's, there was two main schools of thought centered around two famous uh, rabbis that were famous during that time. And uh, the one was of a school of, of the rabbi Shammai, and he had, a, he had a real strict and unpopular view. And the second was a school of a man by the name of Rabbi Ahili, Ahiliel, I think that's how you say it, and it was a very lax or liberal uh, popular, a very popular view at that time. So the, the liberal view, of course, was the most popular. And, and they ask a question here about divorce, they say, for any reason. Now, there's not a person here tonight, and no matter what we've been through or experiences or what we believe about the Word of God, I don't think there's anybody here tonight that say, you know what, preacher, it's okay to get divorced for any reason. Now, I know there's people out there in the world that would believe that, but hopefully we wouldn't believe that. Um, but there is reasons, and the Bible, and Jesus teaches that. Uh, but none of us would believe for any reason. But that's how liberal a lot of them had gotten that were supposed to be following the true and living God, that you could get a divorce literally for any reason. It was that bad. Um, each school of thought, what they had in common, is that they understood that the Mosaic Law did give permission for divorce. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 1, it says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, uh, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. Uh, each side knew that, and each side believed that, that divorce uh, was permissible but some went so far to even make it almost like a command like you were required to divorce see that's another thing we got to be careful about that we don't act like divorce is a command something we've got to do it should be avoided if possible but here's what the big question was in the time of jesus what is uncleanness what is uncleanness and, and that's where the schools of thought differed on, well, if divorce was permissible through uncleanness, what is uncleanness? Now, the more conservative school of thought understood that uncleanness meant sexual immorality. They were actually right in their interpretation and said that it was only valid for, and that was the only reason valid for divorce. The more liberal school of thought understood uncleanness to mean any sort of thing that could be indiscretion of any kind, anything that would make the man basically unhappy. It really went that liberal, um, ridiculous, I should say. E even to the point where I read a couple different references that said uh, that if, if a man uh, was unhappy with his wife because she burnt breakfast, he could get a divorce. It was literally that bad. And so I'm like, okay, that, that's, that's, that's way out there. And um, so, so anyhow... Could you imagine, even in today's court, I mean, even as liberal and crazy as our court system is and divorce system is, could you imagine somebody standing before a judge today and saying, why are you divorcing this man or why are you divorcing this woman? She burnt my breakfast. Like, but literally, that was permissible. That's how bad it had gotten. Um, 
But notice they're testing him. So in their question, in their question, the Pharisees are trying to get Jesus to really go in one side or the other. And you know what? There's a lot of people like that where they just want you to be on their side. And they're, they're either wanting Jesus to be on their side or against him. They're trying to divide uh, him, if you would, between the people. If he sides with the liberal school of thought, it is clear that he's not taking the law of Moses seriously. And he knew there were going to be a lot of people upset with him over that. If he sides with the strict school of thought, uh, or, or with the less strict school of thought, then um, you know what? He's going to upset some of his listeners because the most popular view was the liberal view. The Pharisees likely believe they have found probably that subject that would divide possibly a lot of the hearers of Jesus. You know, it's no different today. You know, Satan wants to divide us on these subjects. And we've got to be careful of that. In Matthew 19, and verse 4 through 6, Jesus' first answer to the Pharisees' question is he doesn't really answer their question. He doesn't, ask, he doesn't really give the answer of, of a reason for divorce. He just says, this is how God made marriage. This is how God, this is how God established marriage. And he says, have you not read? You know, the Pharisees wanted to talk about divorce, but Jesus wanted to talk about marriage. I, I, just, I just like that. You know, he, he refers to the first marriage, of course, that God made between Adam and Eve. And so the emphasis that Jesus makes first is on marriage itself uh, rather than divorce. And that's really a very wise approach. It really is. Um, I, there's been many times in the ministry I've had people say, well, what about divorce? Can I get a divorce? And you know what I try to do? I try to encourage their marriage. That's what you've got to do first. Uh, divorce should not be seen as an option when things are hard. They really shouldn't. And I think that that's one thing we learn from this. Um, oftentimes, not always, uh, because there can be extreme circumstances, marriages are often like a mirror. It reflects often what we put into it, and we have to be mindful of that. Um, we just shouldn't ever have divorce readily in our minds as an option. And I think that's where our culture's gotten today. You know, it's like, well, you know, why get married? I mean, if it don't work out, we just, you know, we won't live together anymore. Or if we do get married, hey, we can still get a divorce if it don't work out. It's just, it's just seen as an option today, a little too easily. Jesus says, He who made them at the beginning made them male and female. So that tells us some more things there. He's quoting, of course, Genesis 1, 27. Jesus indicates first that God has made men and women, first of all, two genders, and he's made them different, and that God is the one who joins men and women in marriage. God is our creator. He's our owner. He tells us what to do. It is, marriage is God's institution to tell us how marriage should be. It's not man's institution. And, and you know, we actually have heard that today, and sometimes when people trying to get us to go against, I don't like using the word traditional marriage. I want to use biblical marriage. There's a big difference there. Traditional marriage, a lot of times people want to talk about traditional marriage, and what they want to say is man-made. Well, man has done this. Man, no, marriage is God-made. Have you not heard from the beginning? God did this. Marriage is God-made, and God made it to be man and woman. And no man can join anybody in marriage that God does not join. In other words, God only joins one man and woman. He does not ever join man and man. There is no marriage that God joins together that is not male and female. God has never created that, honored that, established that. 
no matter what man says. But he said, what God has joined together, you know, let not man put asunder. Uh, but Jesus reminds the Pharisees that marriage is spiritually binding before God, so therefore it should be taken serious. God has joined us together. Don't be so eager to get rid of it for just any reason. God has done this. God has joined this. And so it's, the subject should always be approached with seriousness and solemnness. And he expects us to, to honor one another and see marriage not just as something that can be uh, dished very easily. But on here in Matthew 19, verse 7 through 9, uh, we, we see some things here in regards to what they ask him and to what he says. They ask the question, why then did, after he gives that answer, when he doesn't really give an answer to divorce, he just says, well, this is how God made marriage. They said, well, okay, that flustered them. They're like, well, why did Moses, what, is, what do they say, command us uh, to put her away? You see, the, the Pharisees wrongly thought that God commanded divorce where there was uncleanness. God doesn't command divorce, even when there's, even when there's uncleanness. In other words, if there is uncleanness, spiritual or, or, or there's sexual morality in your marriage, God isn't saying, well, you have to get a divorce, okay? You can, it's permitted. And that's the word that Jesus uses, right? Jesus, doesn't, Jesus makes it very clear. He said, because of the hardness of your heart, right? Moses, what? Permitted you. So it was allowable and permitted, not commanded. And so... This actually helps people if they've had to deal with that in their marriage to realize, you know, you don't have to. You can hopefully work it out, and there can be repentance, and there can be restoration and, and healing. You know, I, I don't think God expects any man or woman to stay with someone that's going to keep on committing sexual immorality and, uh, at all. Uh, but hopefully things can be, you know, healed and repented of and all of that. Um, but there was actually a popular rabbi saying of that day that said, if a man has a bad wife, it is a religious duty to divorce her. I mean, they, they took what God said was permitted and, made it a, and said it was now a commandment. And we've got to be careful about that, not just on divorce, but on other things too. Uh, there's a lot of things that God might give us liberty to do, but it doesn't mean we have to do them. There might be other things that God gives other people liberty to do. That doesn't mean that we have to do them. They ask, why then did Moses command? Jesus says Moses permitted them to divorce. So God never commands divorce, but he obviously permitted it through the law of Moses. All right. And he says it's permitted because of the hardness of your hearts. And so divorce is not commanded, but permitted by God in certain circumstances. And God permits it. Um, sometimes people's hearts are hardened and, and, uh,
All right, there we go. Now, but Jesus does give a reason for divorce, a biblical reason for divorce, and he says for, except for sexual immorality. Um, so Jesus in, is interpreting for them the word uncleanness. And, and so if there's any question about what uncleanness means in Deuteronomy, and there's debate about, well, what does uncleanness mean in Deuteronomy? And you can look up the word and see the definition, see how it's used. I'm just going to go with what Jesus interpreted as. And so he says, except for sexual immorality. Um, and, and so it's not just for any reason, not just for any cause. Not, if your wife burnt your breakfast, too bad, get over it. Um, if she doesn't please you for some reason, you're not happy with her for some reason, or you're not happy with him for some reason, that's not a, that's not a biblical reason. In other words, it's, it's not, the option is not on the table. It, it's, just, it's not there. Um, if burning your dinner was a good reason, I, I could have had a good reason a long time ago to get divorced. <laughs> Probably about the first week of our marriage, you know. I said, well, this ain't working out, you know. <laughs> uh, so, therefore, divorce and, and the freedom to remarry without sin, the freedom to remarry without sin involved is only permitted in the case of sexual immorality. Um, now, that sexual immorality, uh, it is actually, a, it's a fairly broad word that Jesus uses. It is where we get our, it's where we get our word pornography. It's porneia. Um, it's a broad word, and so it doesn't necessarily mean just the act of adultery. There, there's other issues of sexual immorality that doesn't involve two people coming together in that way. Um, but, but anyhow, uh, there, there is permission for divorce here. Uh, now, to add to this, there was another permission for separation from Paul uh, over in 1 Corinthians. If you were a believer and there's an unbeliever and they want to leave, and it's, it's really abandonment is what it is. They're, they're, they're gone. And Paul frees them and says, you're, you know, if, they, if they're leaving, they're leaving, basically. You can't make them stay. Um, so, so we must note that. Uh, and so we also must go back to, you know, incompatibility and falling out of love with them. Uh, my spouse is a jerk. Uh, you know, those aren't reasons for divorce. Uh, those are reasons for counseling and for help and for prayer and for working on your marriage, but they're not reasons for divorce. If a separation is absolutely necessity for other reasons, um, then the scriptures require celibacy. Now he says, and marries another. So it, it's not, a separation is a must, but it's not for sexual morality. But then you marry another, that act is adultery. And that's, that's what Jesus teaches. The reason why a person who does not have a legi legitimate divorce commits adultery upon remarrying is because in the eyes of the Lord is they're not separated because there wasn't a biblical reason. Um, and so uh, it's an act of adultery. We must come to grips with the fact that marriage as a promise made to God, our spouse and the world is a binding promise and just cannot be broken for any reason. Cannot be broken for any reason. It has to be a biblical reason. Now, here's some questions. I know I'm going a little longer than I, but this is a tough subject, okay, for a Wednesday night, but 
Jesus put it in the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> That's where we're at. Um, does this mean that if a person gets a divorce for unbiblical reasons and gets remarried, that they live in a constant state of adultery? That's been a big question uh, for people. Um, I'm going to say possibly, if there's never been repentance or sorrow over the sin. Uh, to say that you're always living in adultery if you've been divorced and remarried, divorced not for a biblical reason, and remarried, so you're always living in adultery. It's making, even if you repent and all of that, it's to, make, it's to make remarriage, if you've been unjustly divorced, it's to make it like an unpardonable sin. And we've got to be careful about that. Have to be careful about that. Um, now, some would believe that once you are married, that if you get a divorce for any reason whatsoever, and we still have this school of thought out there today, very extreme, if you get a divorce for any reason, even for adultery, um, that if you get remarried, that in essence you are married to two people. That, the Bible does not teach that. Um, now, that is what people are saying, though. And maybe some of us have held to this view in the past, and I've been one of them. That is what people are saying when they interpret the qualifications of a pastor or deacon to be the husband of one wife, and they say he's disqualified if he's been divorced and remarried. In other words, if you use that, if you use the husband of one wife in the First Timothy uh, that that means divorce and remarriage, then what you're saying is that he's had two wives. Well, if that's for him, then that's for everybody else too. And so to say that is to say, well, anybody that's been divorced and remarried actually has two wives or two husbands. I don't think the scriptures teach that. Um, so if we hold to that teaching, then are not all divorced and remarried people uh, married to more than one person? Then they would be. Now, let's think about this through just a little bit. For one, if all divorced and remarried people are living in a constant state of adultery, then you are saying that there is no forgiveness for such sin no matter what. If you just say that's a blank statement. Um, in all reality, you're saying really they're probably not even saved. And there are people today that still hold to that view. Um, it's an extreme view. I know nobody here believes that. I get that. But it is out there even among Baptists. Some Baptist churches won't even allow divorced and remarried people to be members. Why? Because they don't think they can be forgiven, basically. They're living in a constant state of adultery. The Bible says, for no adulterer shall inherit the kingdom of God. So there's something to think about there, isn't there? So I think they're wrong. Now, some go to an extreme and will not even allow a man to serve in the ministry. Even if his wife was guilty of sexual immorality and wanted to abandon him and leave him. We really need to think these things through, I think. I think each situation needs to be looked at rather than blanket statements about divorce and remarriage. Now, to clear this up, one thing that helped me so much many years ago, just how I seen this, uh, was one passage where Jesus is interacting with the woman at the well. This helped me so much to bring some clarity to how Jesus seen this subject we're talking about tonight. He's talking to her, and, it's, and you're probably very familiar with the language, but what does he say to her? He says, go call your husband 
and come here. What does she say? The woman answered, I have no, zero, I have no husband. What did Jesus say? He said, you have well said. He said, you said truly. He says, you're right. So she didn't have a husband, right? But Jesus said this, you have, what? Had, past tense, five husbands. He didn't say you now have five husbands, did he? You've had five husbands. And then he says, and the man whom you now have, what's he say, is not your husband. I tell you what, that cleared up so many things for me with trying to figure it out. Maybe it does for you tonight, maybe it doesn't, but it's like a light came on when I seen that, and that helped me to understand the concept where I was trying, was, was thinking about, well, if you're divorced and married, don't you have two? No, you don't. Um, so Jesus said that it was true that she did not have a husband. She didn't have a husband. Now, people who would say that you're divorced and married, you actually have two husbands or two wives, that's going to, that's going to counteract that. Uh, he did not say that she currently had five husbands or that she had had past tense. And I doubt that she had biblical grounds for all five husbands. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that they were the problem. I don't know. It's hard to say. And from what he says, we also learn this. this I learned this truth too from that. A very important truth that, that's helped me in the ministry. I also learned from what Jesus says that living together and having sexual relations does not make you married. Because he said, the man that you now have is not your husband. So now the guy you're with, he's not even your husband. And so some people, you know, even Christians have went underneath the thought, well, we know we're getting married, so sexual relations is really like we're married in the eyes of God. No, not in the eyes of Jesus. Not in the eyes of Jesus. So to me, that clears some things up when I think about the Scriptures. Real, real quick, I know I went a little longer tonight. So the disciples just hear all of this, and they say, they ask a good question, well, if marriage is so binding, basically, is celibacy better? I mean, it's just better to not even get married. I tell you what, Jesus says, Jesus is teaching us we need to take marriage seriously. Can people get married and then get a divorce for their own reason, get remarried, and then God forgive them of that and have a good, fruitful, God-blessed marriage? Yes. It's not how God first made it. Sin is entered in. It is messing things up, but there is still forgiveness. So the disciples, listen, clearly understood Jesus' teaching on marriage and divorce. They understood that it was not a commitment to be entered into quickly or lightly and considered that since marriage is so binding before God, uh, and they were thinking, well, maybe it's, not even better to get, maybe it's better not to get married. And so they took it serious. They seen it serious. And you know what? We need to take marriage seriously before we enter into it. That's part of the reason that so many marriages do fail today. Not, I'm not saying all. That's part of the reason why so many do fail today because they are entered upon the premises as well. I can just get a divorce. But he's saying, don't enter into it like that. Do not enter into it like that. All right. I'll, I'll just quit there. I know I went kind of long tonight with this, but I just felt like I need to say some of that. I know there's a lot of things about divorce, remarriage I haven't said, um, but um, it's not an unpardonable sin. 
It's not. Uh, it, but marriage must be taken seriously. And we need to remember that. Um, there's a lot of questions we get asked.